excited to be uh, passing the baton this morning to Faith. Uh, I've really tried to make an effort to uh, put opportunities before people in our own congregation to learn to preach. I think it's a really, really important way that our community hears different voices beyond my own and also gives people uh, a window into uh, digging into the Word of God in a way that's very different as, um, than just maybe their regular routine and to see gifts come alive and passions begin to take root. And so I'm just going to pray for Faith and then she's going to introduce her message and then we'll get going. God, thank you very much for this morning, for Faith and uh, the way that uh, she and her family have been just a huge blessing to our church. Um, and I just thank you for her story and how it points to you. And I pray that as she shares that story and the truths of your word that, um, that you want to foreground this morning, that, um, God, your word would not return void, that it would work powerfully in the hearts of every single person, not just here this morning, but maybe who are hearing through the podcast in a week or two, God, that wherever these words go, that there would be a gospel fruitfulness that would uh, emerge as a result. Thank you for this time, and I just pray you'll bless faith and help her just to feel relaxed and at home and among family and friends. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Jeff. Um, music has always had a strong influence in my life, and uh, so I asked these very talented musicians to play this song by Lauren Daigle called uh, You Say. It immediately sprang into my mind as I thought about some of the key truths that shape our identity. Um, the words in the song closely relate to my topic of identity. I keep fighting forces in my mind that say I'm not enough. Every single lie that tells me I will never measure up. Am I more than just the sum of every high and every low? Remind me once again just who I am because I need to know. You say I am loved when I can't feel a thing. You say I am strong when I think I am weak. You say
Thank you guys, that was beautiful. Hi. My name is Melanie Faith Evenson. I am the wife of AJ Evenson, mama of Alana, Jordan, Carlin, and Asher. I'm also a home educator and I love to learn, read, Ski, swim, hike, camp, and garden. What does this reveal about me? My roles in life and my passions. Is this what defines me? Is this my identity? Let's look at a definition of identity. Merriam-Webster says, the distinguishing character or personality of an individual, individuality. Your dictionary says, it is who you are, the way you think of yourself, the way you are viewed by the world, and the characteristics that define you. What we believe also matters. It shapes our identity. What we believe helps us to interpret situations in our life and choose how to respond. Today I wanted to share with you the very real struggles I faced and how God used them to shape me for his glory, which now gives me greater freedom because I have a different perspective of who I am. I was born Melanie Faith Reinbold, but changed my name to Faith after going through a few years of trauma. A few of the most stressful life events on the stress scale are personal injury, illness, pregnancy, marital separation, gain of a new family member, change in living conditions, and change in health of a family member. All these things occurred within the first few months after my marriage to an alcoholic ended. His disease progressed rapidly in our last year of marriage, causing our living situation to be unsafe. I was pregnant with our third child. It was a high-risk pregnancy, and I was admitted to the hospital shortly after. I sold our house, found a second-stage shelter for me and the kids to live in, while in the hospital. 
Boy, when I rehearsed this, it didn't, I did not cry. My girls first went to live with my brother and his wife until my sister picked them up and took them to live with her eight hours away. After being, um, after five weeks of being in and out of the hospital, a C-section was scheduled and Carlin was born seven and a half weeks early on November 4th, 1998 with severe health complications. Carlin's name means little champion and uh, he's definitely that after all that he went through. Um, he remained in the NICU had a few heart surgeries, and then transferred to the Alberta Children's Hospital where he stayed until January 21st. I was able to go home 10 days later to a new home I had never seen with no baby, no kids, and no husband. My friends and family had moved me while I was in the hospital. At least my mom and dad were with me when I arrived to my new apartment, or I would have totally broken down. Actually, I did break down, but it would have been a lot worse. The girls came home for Christmas, and Carlin followed on January 21st. The rest of that year was dedicated to many different clinic visits at the Children's Hospital every week, and a few hospital visits where we almost lost Carlin. Um, all the while doing some counseling at the Sunshine Center to break the cycle of abuse. My girls were being looked after by a revolving door of babysitters provided by family support for ch children with disabilities while I was attending to Carlin's medical appointments and hospital visits. The second stage shelter that I lived in was a Christian organization called the Sunshine Center. I had my own apartment and paid a subsidized rent. And there was a first Christian reformed church across the street that the owner and the founder of the Sunshine Center attended I was encouraged to go there. At first, I was weirded out by all the couples that were so loving, and I didn't want to go back. But there was something that kept drawing me back, and soon I became a part of the single parents group there. Uh, I, didn't, I don't know when it really happened, because I always believed in God. I grew up having a faith background in a Catholic church. But at some point, I accepted God as my savior. I remember one evening being in awe of a beautiful sunset and being so thankful towards God. I became a child of God. Let's look at what it means to be a child of God. Psalm 139.13 says, For you created my inmost being, you knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them. 
Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with you. First and foremost, I am a child of God, and I'm not a mistake. All the days ordained for me were written in his book before one of them came to be. He has precious thoughts towards me, more than the grains of sand. I want to share six foundational truths that shaped me and affected my identity when I became a child of God. Truth number one, I am justified. What does it mean to be justified? It says, the definition is to declare, pronounce one to be just, righteous, or such as he ought to be. Romans 3, 23 to 24 says, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. You see, we need to be justified because we have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We are deserving of death, not eternal life with him. How are we justified? Freely by his grace. We don't deserve to be justified, but we were justified freely. That means without a cause. And in God's mercy, he extended grace, which means favor or a gift to us. He loves us, and we are justified fully the moment we trust in Jesus. As Jeff said a few weeks back, it's a change in our position, not immediately a change in our character. I was justified, and I didn't understand how to walk in this new newness of life, but I knew I was a child of God and that Jesus died for my sins. Although I didn't quite understand just how sinful I really was. Truth number two is I am redeemed. How am I redeemed? Through the redemption that is in Jesus Christ. Being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Jesus Christ. What does redemption mean? It means it's a deliverance to redeem one by paying the price. God sent his son to die instead of us and take, upon, take our sin upon himself to save us from sin and death. All we must do is believe that Jesus Christ is the living God and he paid our ransom. So we are redeemed even though we don't deserve it and it is given to us freely. That speaks volumes to how much God loves us. Truth number three, I am forgiven. Oops. What do we have through this redemption? Ephesians 1, 7. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. We sin, so we need to humble ourselves. Confess, and he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 
it says in 1 John 1, 9. Once we confess, we are forgiven and don't need to hold on to the weight of guilt that enslaves us. If we hide our sin, instead of confessing it, we feel shame and guilt, and we start to believe lies that we're not good enough. That is not God speaking. God is faithful when we confess our sins and forgives us so we can experience freedom instead of shame and guilt. Truth number four, I am chosen. 2 Thessalonians 2, 13 to 14. But we are bound to give thanks to God always for you, brethren, beloved of the Lord. Because God from the beginning chose you for salvation through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth. To which he called you by our gospel for the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. God from the beginning chose you. Chose me, which means to take for oneself or to prefer. What did he choose us for? He chose us for salvation which simply means a deliverance, preservation, and safety. When we know we are chosen for his safety and he's delivered us, it will change how we view our identity. We want to please the one who chose us instead of choosing in vain to try to please the people around us. Truth number five, I am sanctified. This is where the hard work begins. Second Thessalonians 2, 13 to 14 says, he chose me for salvation through sanctification. Sanctification simply means it's a consecration, which is a dedication to a sacred purpose or purification, or the effect of consecration. How am I being sanctified? By the Spirit and belief in the truth. We are given the Holy Spirit as our helper when we believe in the truth, the truth that Jesus sent his son for us to die so we could be reconciled to him. John 14, 26 says, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I've said to you. God had extended grace, but that didn't take away from the consequences that my choices had led me to deal with. I still had to walk through the valley of consequences and feel the pain that came with it. After a year of adjusting to my new life, I ended up admitting myself to the hospital with severe depression, where I spent six weeks in the psych ward my girls were again uh, with my parents for a month and then went to live with my brother and his family for five months. I spent the next several months recovering and the sunshine graciously extended my stay to one and a half years instead of a year. Carlin was now in foster care and I oversaw his medical care while the foster home attended to his daily needs. My girls were in full-time daycare because Carlin's medical needs were a 
full-time job for me. I started going through the process of open adoption and sought help from the Calgary Pregnancy Care Center. Our search ended in vain when Dr. Cardam had been in foster care for three years. They came to me and told me I needed to bring them home or do a PGO, which is a permanent guardianship order, giving away all my parental rights so that they could adopt him permanently, which would mean it wouldn't be an open adoption. I knew I was not strong enough to look after the medical needs at home and my girls, so I signed, signed the PGO. There is good news, it's coming, it's coming. The PGO was not something I understood and it didn't seem fair. God was with me, but I didn't understand this process of sanctification. And would sometimes default to my own way of thinking and then wonder why I was so weary and tired. I would be reminded to draw close to God, spend time in his word, and then the conviction I felt as the Holy Spirit nudged me would lead me to repent again. The sanctification was happening. I was putting one foot in front of the other, trusting in God's promises, relying on his Holy Spirit and walking in truth, not in feelings. I was learning to follow Jesus, heart, soul, and mind fully. To trust in the Lord with all my heart and lean not on my own understanding, Proverbs 3, 5 says. Which brings me to why God chose us for salvation. Second Thessalonians, rest of 2 Thessalonians 2, 14 says, for the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. We are chosen to bring him glory, not ourselves. He must increase, but I must decrease. It says in John 3.30, when we walk through these trials and go through the process of sanctification, we are never the same. And we stop living for ourselves, and instead we live for him, and he gives us a new purpose. We start to look at everything differently we see people differently and we love differently. Again, this changes how we view our identity. Instead of trying to please everyone, we try to please him, the living God. He gives us joy and purpose and he fills our cup. 
so that we can fill other people's cups. The joy that I feel when I first seek the kingdom of God is unfathomable, but that's a whole other sermon. (laughs) Truth number six, I will go through trials. James 1, 2 to 4 says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. I certainly didn't feel joy as I was going through these trials. Why are we to count it all joy? Because I can view my trials as an opportunity for sanctification. It reveals my sinful nature and gives me the opportunity to repent, acknowledge the truth, and grow in my new identity in Christ. Knowing that the testing of my faith produces patience. When you go through trials, your faith is tested. I wanted to give up, throw in the towel, so to speak. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. No one wants trials, but God uses them for our sanctification and for his glory. When we have gone through a certain trial, we can understand others and comfort them. It's not for us, but it's for his glory, and we can comfort others. These trials continued. I had started new medication, which drastically helped me cope with life, and I tried to reverse the PGO. After a year, I received a final letter from the Ministry of Children's Services stating that Carlin would be placed and the PGO was final. No reversal. That same month, AJ asked me to marry him. I truly didn't understand what God was doing. In one month, my greatest joy and my greatest sorrow happened. I trusted God though. A month after we were married, uh, we had a meeting with some social worker who informed us that Carlin would be transitioned home in six months. God was working behind the scenes, even though I didn't know it. I was also pregnant with Asher the month that Carlin came home, and we went from a family of three to a family of six in just a few short months. A new journey began. All this is to say, we need to believe God's promises. As God worked in my life, through my trials, it became abundantly clear that I needed to rest in his promises and draw close to him through prayer and his word. The following three promises carried me through these turbulent times. 
Philippians 4, 6. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. We can be thankful even in distress. Because we know God is there for us, we are not alone. He wants us to come to him, and now, instead of fear, we can experience peace that does seem unexplainable. This peace guards our hearts and minds against going to the dark places we ought not to go, or the dark side. I don't need to be anxious when I recall this verse. He promises rest. Matthew eleven twenty eight says, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Jesus is inviting us to come to him, and we are allowed. When we try to do things in our own strength, it causes unnecessary stress. God promises us rest from fear and hopelessness, among other things. The last promise, although there are many more, but these are the three that really stood out to me. Ultimately, all things work for good, whether we see it on this side of heaven. Romans 8.28 says, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. Not our own purpose, his purpose. We cannot see what he is doing or understand, but we can trust him. He has demonstrated his love for us in that while we were still sinners, he died for us. According to followers of Jesus on the day that he was crucified, this was the worst day in the history of the world. But according to God, this was the culmination of thousands of years of prophecy. This was the long foretold plan of salvation. This was the good news, the best news. So if you see difficulties or evils or evil happening around you, look up and wait expectantly on the Lord to turn it into good. As we close today, it is vitally important that we understand that what we believe determines how we view our identity, which leads to what we value, how we live, and ultimately who we become as a result of our choices. So here's how I currently apply my identity as a child of God in my daily life. I am justified. I need to accept that free grace as it is poured into my life daily. I need to carve out time in my busy schedule to sit at the feet of Jesus and receive. If I am redeemed, I need to live as if a great debt was paid off on my behalf. I need to continually express my gratitude and live a life worthy of the one who paid that debt. If I am chosen, I need to spend time reading God's word and understanding what I've been chosen for and how to live into that purpose. If I am forgiven, I need to repent and release the shame and guilt so that I feel freedom instead. If I am being sanctified, I need to cooperate and allow the spirit to purify me. 
I need to allow him to put off concerning, concerning my former conduct, the old man which grows corrupt according to deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of my mind, and put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. It says that in Ephesians 4, 22 to 24. If I must go through trials, I need to believe that they are useful, that they are refining me, that they are producing in me something of value both for this age and for the next. I need to cast down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. 2 Corinthians 10.5, that comes from. I need to submit my wills, my desires, my hopes, and my dreams and stand firm in the promises that God gives us. If I believe in God's promises, I will experience true peace and rest. No matter what I go through, when I believe all things work together for his good, his good purpose, I choose to live for him and get to live and thrive, not just survive. The good news is that we all can do this. We just need to draw close to him and allow him to change us so that we can experience true freedom in Christ and not be enslaved by the pressures of the world. You will experience hardships, but how will you deal with them? Today, if you've never um, accepted Jesus into your heart, Jeff is going to um, give an invitation after, and he will explain to you how that's going to happen. You can come up, and, uh, or you can go over to the little alcove there, and Jeff and I will be there, and we can pray for you. And um, if anyone else wants to join us, Rick or anyone, feel free. But also, if, if you've just, for whatever reason, haven't felt close lately to the Lord and you just want to renew your commitment and you feel that desire in your heart, don't feel afraid to come and we'll pray f we will pray for you as well. Thank you very much. I will call the worship team.